reaching across the country for the biggest sports news this weekend. From Atlanta to Seattle, from Boston to LA, this is Big Sports Radio. Uh, he's Brad Sturdy. He's Mike Hengley. I'm Larry Smith, and we are Big Sports Radio. I'm glad you're here with us. We have once again, you know, it's funny. You know, one of these days we may actually come on the air and have not a lot to talk about. I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Um, but we're going to talk about the Wisconsin Badgers coming up. Uh, Lance Allen um, out of TMJ for rejoining us. Talk about the Badgers free fall and how they finally uh, stopped that. Uh, a bit later, Matt Brown coming on from um, uh, ExtraPointsMB.com to talk a little NIL. And uh, we haven't forgotten, we do primarily college, but we do, for you baseball fans, we do have some baseball talk. Bob Lorenz from Yes Network is going to join us uh, in the second hour as well. And uh, we'll talk about, of course, a lot of stuff at, at Ohio State happening right now. Um, we know that there's one guy coming in, Chip Kelly, as new offensive coordinator. We'll get some uh, feedback on that from Kevin Noon, uh, from Buckeye, uh, from one of the Buckeye insiders. Uh, and then meanwhile... Chris Holtman on his way out, guys. OSU's basketball coach in his seventh season, shown the door as the Buckeyes really struggling on the hardwood this season. Yeah, they started off 12, coming off a rough season. They start twelve and two, and now they're you know two and nine in their last eleven games. And it's it, it was time for a change. I don't think they saw uh, you know the the future there. And when you, I always look at it like if you don't think that this is the right coach, it's time to make a change now. You have to have deep pockets to do that, though, and $15 million reasons why they would have waited, but they, they went ahead and did it because Ohio State prints money. So, Yeah, I, I think it was interesting. Holtman came in and, and really performed quite well. Had there not been the COVID season, would have went to, what, five five NCAA tournaments in a row and then just went free fall on that. You know, when when the recruits don't pan out quite as well as you want, and then I think – you need to understand how to use the transfer portal for the good of your roster. If you look what Brad Underwood's doing at Illinois, he's not bringing in massive freshman classes, got a talented guy or two in each one, but not massive because he's bringing in older players. You know, with Purdue, they don't have to worry about it because they got the seven foot five aircraft carrier, but you've, you've got to know how you're building the roster. And I don't think coach Holtman ever really knew what he wanted once the once the transfer portal got into full swing. Yeah, Holtman out. Meanwhile, the big story in Iowa, Caitlin Clark, uh, she is finally the women's all-time leading scorer. Um, what a legend. How cool is it to be able to watch history being made? And guys, I don't think she's done yet. The, the men's record, I think, will wind up being hers uh, too. Pistol Pete will be going down uh, before the season's end. Yeah, she's amazing. I mean, she is just, she's much watched TV. Did you see that? The other thing is the ticket prices for her games have gone through yeah. the roof. Yeah. On, on secondary markets, it's huge. I mean, they're all sellouts. And I mean, we may actually see early round NCAA women's tournament games being sellouts yeah. because of somebody like Caitlin Clark. This is very similar to when Brad Sturdy coaches softball. You'll you'll see literally sold out ballparks. Looks like Major League Baseball. And you're like, what is that? It's a high school softball game with Brad Sturdy coaching. Similar, <laughs> similar or something like that. Plus or minus 13,000 people or so. Yeah, if we get a thousand, it's a good day. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. a really good day. So, hey, let's talk more about uh, that and much more. Joining us right now is Bill Rabinowitz. He's the Ohio State football beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch. Bill, great to have you on the show. We were just talking about uh, Caitlin Clark. Um, listen, you guys have a fantastic basketball program there as well. Uh, right now, we're sitting there in the top five. You've seen her play. Um, 
it, it's just amazing the talent she has. And I think the way that not just the Big Ten, but all of women's uh, sports and, and sports fans everywhere have kind of recognized uh, just how special it is to watch her play night in, night out. Yeah, um, I actually covered uh, her at Iowa's game against Ohio State last year. That's filling in. And that back then, she was just kind of becoming a big name. And I watched her, and I thought, oh, man, she's really good. And I think you know, it's great for women's basketball. It's great for basketball. Um, I, I covered the NCAA Final Four when the women had their uh, tournament here several years ago. It was the Notre Dame, UConn, Mississippi State. The, I covered three amazing games. And, and never once did I think of watching women's basketball. I was watching basketball. And, and that's where it's progressed. I remember, you know, not that long ago, the UConn's of the world would beat teams 100 to 30 or something crazy like that. And, and now it's become so much more competitive, so much more compelling. Um, it's fun to watch it. You know, and here in Columbus, the, the women's team is more interesting to watch than the men's team, for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this year, that's certainly the case and what they're doing. Um, just amazing what they've done uh, coming out of the last weekend, 11 straight wins, uh, sitting atop um, the Big Ten with, with Iowa's upset loss at Nebraska, Ohio State by themselves atop the Big Ten. Um, how solid is, is their program? And one of those that really has kind of built up, um, and they've got a They've snuck up right now, and now they're in that conversation to reach the Final Four and maybe win it all. Yeah, they're number two right now, which is, I think, the highest uh, – ties the highest in program history. I mean, they've, they're they fun to watch. They play pressing defense. They've got a couple of stars. Cody McMahon, a sophomore, is like a freight train. And and J.C. Sheldon is, a, I think, a fifth-year senior. She's fun to watch. I mean, they, they, they play an entertaining style. Um, Kevin McGuff, the coach, has gone through some – some uh, tough times here. I mean, in terms of having a couple of dips, but he's got it going right now. Uh, and and they're fun to watch. Yeah. I'd, I'd cover the Collins girl last year when she led her team down in Georgia to the state title and knew that you guys were getting a special player up there. That's fun to watch. And we'll see how that continues here the next uh, few weeks as we enter the tournament time. Uh, let's talk a little football right now. We've got, uh, uh, you know, a, a big story this week is um, a, 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 a the head coach of UCLA leaving that job to take a pay cut to come to Ohio State to become the offensive coordinator. Uh, take us. How how did Ohio State land Chip Kelly? Can he kind of give us the genesis of of the conversations? Was was he always on their radar? Or how did this come to pass? Well, you know Ryan Day is Chip Kelly's protege. Uh, Ryan Day played for him at the University of New Hampshire, and so I uh, was on his staff. Uh, all the way through and and at, in the NFL that when Chip Kelly was uh, coaching the Eagles and the 49ers, Ryan Day was the quarterback's coach. You know, what's interesting now is the dynamic switch. Chip Kelly is now the, the underling and, and Ryan Day is the boss. So we'll see how that works. Um, you know, my, I think that at UCLA, you know, I, I, I think this is pretty accurate, that it was an amicable divorce, that the time it, it had run its course and mm-hmm. Chip Kelly didn't deliver what UCLA hoped. There was a lot of apathy, and UCLA has got uh, you know financial issues. We, the budget issues are pretty serious, and so the idea of of them forking out big bucks to retain Chip Kelly probably wasn't ideal for UCLA. And if Chip Kelly, who I think in his heart of hearts would rather uh, just scribble plays on a napkin, he's that kind of guy to come and work for Ryan Day, work with Ryan Day is pretty appealing. You know, he's, he's made all the money he could ever spend. He's, I think, 60 years old. And he may think of this as, look, this is a way to win a national championship, potentially. I get to work with my protege. 
Uh, I don't have to deal with the other stuff. I don't really like to deal with the glad handing and booster speeches and all that kind of stuff. I can just be a football coach. So we'll see how it plays out. But, uh, you know, the way it happened, of course, is that Bill O'Brien was hired, Ryan, they hired Bill O'Brien. Jeff Halfley, who, ironically enough, was the Ohio State defensive coordinator back in the day, leaves to go to the NFL. BC has an opening. Boston, uh, Bill O'Brien is from Boston. He leaves. So plan B is that's a pretty good plan B for Ryan Day. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and one of those, I think that, you know, not that, not that he, um, obviously didn't want Bill O'Brien there because um, he did. Obviously, that was his first choice, but you're right. Um, to to lose your number one choice, and even in the way that it happened, and then to land on Chip Kelly with their relationship and what Chip can do, you're exactly right. That's um, um, that's winning twice. It's, 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 you know, that's hitting the, hitting, the, hitting the double. Yeah, and, and this is kind of an all-in season for Ohio State. They, they kind of uh, cleaned up in the portal. They kept almost everybody of the juniors that could have gone to the pros, uh, except for Marvin Harrison Jr., which was a given. Um, Michael Hall Jr. was the only other real prominent player that they lost. Um, but they, you know, kept everybody else. And they added guys like Will Howard from Kansas State to be the quarterback, probably. He'll have to compete, but it's I think it's a pretty safe bet he'll be the quarterback. Uh, uh, Quinshawn Judkins to form with Trayvon Henderson. I mean, that's that's probably the best running back duo in the country. I don't think there's really any question about it. Um, yeah, Caleb Downs, who's the best player in the portal, period. Safety from Alabama, they got. So it's it's um, they, they're loaded. Uh, you know, now they got to do it, and and that's they've fallen short the last several years. There's a lot of heat on Ryan Day to certainly beat Michigan and and make the playoff and potentially win it. Um, you know, they've, they've kind of pushed their, their chips to the, to the middle of the table. Yeah. How does Kelly change the dynamic of this offense? Does he make it more of a, of a power football team um, using all the weapons you've got there? And, and how do you see that changing or does it change at all? That's a good question. I've not really done a deep dive into that right uh, just yet, but yeah, he made his name at Oregon with the fast tempo, but people kind of lose sight of the fact that it really was a run-oriented offense more than anything else. It was tempo, 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 because he wanted to wear defenses down. Now, defenses have kind of caught up to that. It's what worked in 2009, say, may not work in 2024. So he'll have to adapt, I think. But, you know, you think about an X's nose guy. I mean, that's that's Chip Kelly. And so it'll be fascinating. Things. You know, you watch – when I watch the Ohio State Michigan game even on replay I noticed Michigan's play calling was more creative you know Ohio State didn't really have an imaginative play play you know uh, a game plan and so I think Chip Kelly will do that I think Ryan Day was stretched too thin he, he knew that that's why he went out and got Bill O'Brien and now Chip Kelly he, he didn't want to have to be the coordinator too essentially and so um I, I think this makes sense on, on a lot of levels yeah um, and I think we look at the landscape again with with the Big Ten expanding, adding uh, you know the four teams to go up now to eighteen. You're eliminating divisions. Um, you're not going to play the basically the same teams year in year out that I I, I kind of like. I mean, I think I, I still think eventually they expand again and we go back to divisions at some point, but that's years down the line. Uh, but for now, taking advantage of this, we look at the the college football landscape and in terms of the teams that are primed to be right there at the very top. Ohio State's one of those teams. Um, I think Texas, I think Georgia, um, you know, right now are teams you have to say Michigan, maybe, but we'll, I think a lot of question marks right now with all that they lost, not only the change in coaches with, you know, the new head coach and changing both coordinators, 
Um, but obviously, you know, McCarthy is gone. Quorum is gone. So um, if, if I've got if I've got a ballot right now, there's no question to me that Ohio State's in my preseason top three um, and one of the front runners to, uh, you know, to be leading the pack come December. Yeah, I would guess that the preseason rankings will be Georgia one, Ohio State two, and probably Oregon three. Um, and, and Ohio State plays in Eugene in October. That'll be a huge game. They were supposed to play four years ago, and COVID wiped that out. So I've, I've looked forward to going to Eugene, um, and and now we get to do it with so much at stake. Uh, but you're right about Michigan. I mean, they should be down this year. You know, that was kind of a, a once in a lifetime kind of team for them. And they come to Columbus. They've only won once in Columbus. That was the last time since 2000. And so you talk about pressure for that game. I mean, if Ohio State somehow loses to Michigan, you know, what should be a, a, at least a lesser Michigan team, oh, boy. But, you know, if they win, the other thing is it's different this year. They could conceivably play Oregon or Michigan three times. Yeah. You know, regular season, Big Ten championship, and playoff. Yeah. So it's maybe not for all the marbles. That's what made last year's loss so painful. It was, it was for everything. And Ohio State knew it. Everyone knew it. It was the last time it was going to be like that. So uh, having a 12-team playoff does lessen the pressure on each individual game because you know even a two-loss Ohio State team should get in the playoff. Um, you know, and and so, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of pressure on that <laughs> Ohio State Michigan game, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take away from the luster at all. But to your point, no. there is a tomorrow. For both teams, if they're both are you know uh, undefeated or one loss, so Bill, great to have your insights. We appreciate it. Um, keep enjoying the the women's basketball for now, and we'll talk with you again soon. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right, thanks so much once again. That's Bill Rabinowitz. He's the Ohio State football beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch. Great to have him here on the show uh, to talk. Uh, well, little Caitlin, but also again, what's going on in Columbus um, and this football team, one to uh, contend with yet again coming up here uh, this fall. Stay with us. We've got much more to come here on The Sports Spectacular. How would you like to get high-speed internet for your home for less than $2 a day? That's right. For about 50 bucks a month, you'll get lightning-fast internet. Are you paying less than 50 bucks a month right now for your internet? Then call Whole Home Connect right now for blazing-fast internet at 50 bucks a month with no price increases, no hidden fees, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees. It's a great deal. And guess what? You can try it for 15 days. If you don't like it you get your money back but you're gonna love it and you're gonna love the price internet for your home for 50 bucks a month that's less than two bucks a day plus no contracts no upfront costs no equipment fees and our 15-day guarantee call now 800-215-0341 800-215-0341 that's 800-215-0341 Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828-800-448-0828-800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. Welcome back to the show. Producer Tony sitting in for the guys who are away from the controls for a moment. And 
You know, it's been kind of a crazy week here with Big Sports Radio and the Sports Spectacular. You know, some big news towards the end of last week out of Columbus, Bill O'Brien leaving as the Ohio State offensive coordinator, taking the job in Boston College to become their head coach. So that leaves Ohio State looking for an OC. They find Chip Kelly, who just happened at the time to be the head coach of the UCLA Bruins. He resigns from that post and takes the job with Ohio State to be the offensive coordinator. Joining us to talk about all of this going on and what it means not only for Ohio State, but the Big Ten and college football is Kevin Noon of BuckeyeHuddle.com. Kevin, glad to have you on the show this week. Thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, Kevin, let's get into that. You know, Bill leaves. He'd only been there about three weeks, but he gets an offer to head coaching job and, and takes it. You can kind of understand that. But was it a shock to you that a, a head coach at a pretty major program, UCLA is not like San Jose State or something, leaves to take the OC job at Ohio State? Yes and no. We're seeing OCs or we're seeing head coaches leave college to take OC and DC jobs in the pros. But to to do that in college maybe was a little bit of a of a different move. But with that being said, Chip Kelly was kind of hanging on by a thread there at uh, UCLA. UCLA is in the process of bringing in a new president, chancellor, Obviously, their AD, Martin Jarman, had been there for a little bit, but uh, I'm not convinced that Chip Kelly would have really had much of a long runway as as UCLA moves into the Big Ten this year. So there certainly is a familiarity between Chip Kelly and Ryan Day. Uh, When Ryan Day was a quarterback at University of New Hampshire, Chip Kelly was his position coach. Uh, Chip Kelly had Ryan Day on his staff at previous stops, including with the 49ers. So that was all there. But yeah, I think a lot of people are going to look at this and be like, well, you had a head coaching job where you're going to make several million dollars a year. And going into this year, Ohio State's top assistant coach is making about two million a year with Jim Knowles. So it, it does seem like a little bit of a step back. But with that being said, I think I think a lot of things make sense here, though, too. Is this kind of the, I guess, the continuation of some of the consolidating we're seeing in college football where, you know, coaches, even experienced pro coaches, want to be involved with these big-time programs because of what it could lead to or, or the kind of security that maybe comes with it? Yeah, I think that you're finding coaches, too, that are in situations where they're not great situations or they become stagnant, kind of resetting the, the the playing field a little bit by going somewhere else, maybe taking what's perceived as a bit of a step backward, and then seeing what comes out of it. Because we certainly have seen assistant coaches in a year or two years raise their stock and really raise their where they stand in the pecking order of things. So whether or not this means that we're going to see Chip Kelly emerge again as a head coach somewhere else, I, I don't know. We've not had a chance to talk to him. Certainly have not been able to get close enough to anybody around him to know kind of what his long-term plans are. But watching him at UCLA over the last couple of years, yeah, it's fun to make millions of dollars, but he didn't appear like he was having a whole hell of a lot of fun coaching the Bruins. 
And now things are only going to get more difficult for UCLA moving forward in a new conference, coming along with three of the strongest teams of the Pac-12 to join the Big Ten. But there, there is something to be said about this consolidation. When you look at, you've been around the Buckeyes a, a while now, you know their offense, you know what it looks like. How do you think Chip's style of offense is going to mesh with the talent on hand in Columbus? I think Chip Kelly can certainly bring some things to the running game. There's a familiarity, obviously, with Ohio State's offensive line coach, Justin Fry, who Ohio State hired from UCLA under Chip Kelly. So you run all of that together. You're not looking to necessarily reinvent the wheel, but Ohio State's offense did give a lot back last year. It was not the offense that we'd seen the three years prior to that. So I think that what happens is Chip Kelly, especially working with somebody he's familiar with in, in Justin Fry, can do some things to push the running game forward as Ohio State goes out and gets Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss through the transfer portal and has maybe one of the best one-two punches with Trevion Henderson and uh, Quinshawn Judkins. And Ohio State can get away from being just this finesse pass team first, pass team second that can certainly compete with just about anybody, but then you get to the end of the season and it goes against Michigan and Ohio State gets very one-dimensional. I don't think we're going to see as much of a one-dimensional Ohio State team here coming up in 2024. Would you say then that part of this uh, reaction to getting Chip Kelly is a reflection of those past few years with Michigan and playing that you know power offense that Ohio State wants to move more into that realm? I think so, but I think we would have seen that as well with Bill O'Brien if Ohio State would have been able to stay the course there. I think it was very important for Ohio State to bring in a true offensive coordinator, somebody they can put upstairs. Ohio State goes through the motions last year. We're naming Brian Hartline the play caller. That didn't necessarily happen. Brian Hartline down on the sidelines. They have Keenan Bailey, their tight ends coach, who's been coaching for a very short amount of time as a true position coach upstairs. By bringing in, quote-unquote, the adult in the room, I think it's very important. And let's not forget that Ryan Day was sitting at the dais with Eli Drinkowitz of Missouri at the Cotton Bowl, and Eli Drinkowitz is singing the praises of hiring an OC and relinquishing control of the play calling, and Ryan Day is sitting two and a half feet away from him, looking like he wanted to be anywhere else but at that podium in, in Dallas, Texas, or Arlington, I guess. So I think this is very important for the maturation of Ryan Day, the head coach, to realize, okay, I made all my bones by being this tremendous play caller, but if I'm going to have any longevity in this industry, I have to be in a position to where I can, I can be the CEO head coach because that's eventually where everybody has to end up. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect, perfect sense. As you look at Chip, and his past work with quarterbacks, uh, you know, he had Marcus Mariota helped him you know, become a high draft pick. Some others that have been through Oregon and at UCLA. Um, how do you think it's going to affect not only the quarterbacks in the room this year, but in, in quarterback recruiting for the future for Ohio State? I think it's going to be a huge get, but I think that Ohio State was doing just fine recruiting quarterbacks. And that had nothing to do with previous quarterback coach Corey Dennis. 
ultimately it comes down to Ryan Day and what the Ohio State offense is. Let's not forget offensive rookie of the year, C.J. Stroud, came out of the system. Justin Fields, who I think the the report card is still incomplete because of the ineptitude of the Chicago Bears. I think that you have that. And then, obviously, things did not work out for the late Dwayne Haskins. But all three of those quarterbacks performed very well at Ohio State. Then you look at Ohio State this year going out and landing Aaron Nolan. And then with the three-week tenure of Bill O'Brien also lands uh, Julian Sayan out of of the portal from Alabama after he'd been down there for a cup of coffee. Ohio State already has a quarterback in the in the mix right now for 25 with Tavian St. Clair. But I think that when you look at the combination of Ryan Day and Chip Kelly, however long this run may be, be it two years, four years, six years, whatever, I think that it really does give Ohio State a, a, a strong advantage in quarterback recruiting. It still comes down to relationships and familiarity, but Ohio State is not giving anything up in terms of having – guys that have have been to the fair and seen the bear all of that being said the final piece of this puzzle obviously ryan day has a history with chip kelly so that should work in his favor do you think ryan day would have made this move with another head coach that he didn't know or would he have been looking over his shoulder if it would have been some other high profile coach that came in and did this i don't think he's going to have to look over his shoulder at chip kelly do you I don't think so, but it's all the the dynamics of 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 being the guy that brings somebody along, and then you find that you're kind of like now in his shadow is going to be interesting. I'm still kind of convinced that maybe if Ryan Dre, Ryan Day was given his brothers, Chip Kelly would have probably been the guy he hired right out of the gate. But because okay. of that that whole factor of being familiar and comfortable, and that's not always the greatest thing. They go the Bill O'Brien route. Jeff Halfley, strangely enough, ends up hammering Ohio State two different times. A one-year coordinator at Ohio State leaves to go to Boston College, and then he leaves Boston College, and Ohio State loses Bill O'Brien. But I think that everything works out just fine. I've talked to a lot of X's and O's type people and analysts who think that this Chip Kelly hire is, is a home run. We will find out a lot more in less than a month when Ohio State opens up spring football and, and and gets there, and then it's just whatever, however many days away, 200 days away from the opener against Akron, and then we'll really get an idea of what an Ohio State team looks like that is bringing back the vast majority of its talent minus two or three guys. Kevin Noon, BuckeyeHuddle.com. Give him a follow. Check out the website. Follow him on X, formerly Twitter. Uh, catch his stuff. He's got great insight. Great news, great coverage of the Buckeyes. You want to get in on some of that. Kevin, we really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Anytime. The Sports Spectacular here on Big Sports Radio will continue after we take a quick timeout. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. 
Call Rate Genius now. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. That's 800-425-1161. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on credit worthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. Let me tell you a story about Bill. Bill was a normal guy in his 50s. He had back surgery about two years ago. Bill was in a lot of pain. He dealt with his pain by taking the Percocets his doctor prescribed for him. Bill took more and more and more of them to help with the pain until one day the prescriptions weren't enough to get rid of Bill's pain. Then one day Bill found someone to help him get rid of the pain with illegal drugs he didn't need a prescription for. Fast forward to today. Bill lost his job and his family. The only thing he does have is his drug dealer. If you know Bill's story and you don't want to end up like Bill, call the Detox and Treatment Helpline right now to get away and get treatment. 800-980-1761. That's 800-980-1761. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network. With Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Back here with the show. Glad you're still with us and uh, talking hoops right now, getting closer to Selection Sunday. Um, a team we've talked a lot about for a number of reasons here this entire Big Ten season uh, is Wisconsin. They were 8-1 and one and then went just in a free fall. Four straight losses. They finally get healthy and come up and hold off Ohio State of the night to get the win, uh, 64-52 over them. Um, Stephen Crowell and A.J. Store, both with double-doubles, the two stars of this team. Let's talk more about these Badgers right now. Joining us uh, once again on the show, we welcome him back, is uh, Lance Allen. He's a uh, main sports anchor for TMJ4 in Milwaukee. Lance, good to have you on the show again. Let's jump right in with these Badgers. Um, boy, what happened? This is a team that 8-1, and one, they're flying along, had some close calls here and there, found a way to win, and then all of a sudden kind of lost their mojo. That, that game last week at, at Rutgers, I'm in Las Vegas at a sports book. Took my wife to a concert, walked in, could not believe this. Rutgers is a hard place to play for anybody, but they weren't even in the game. I mean, what 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 was happening with the Badgers? That that one was tough to watch, Larry. And the other one was Michigan, as we all know. They're not yeah. the Michigan of old. Yeah. And it's just kind of like head scratching. It kind of seemed to unravel if you go all the way back to the first game of the law of, of the losing streak, Nebraska, where they kind of had the game maybe sort of in hand and then just kind of let it you know, they frittered it away, let it slip away uh, in overtime. And it, it just kind of sent shockwaves for whatever, whatever reason through the team. And then there's no shame in losing to number two Purdue at home. I mean, yeah, you want you play to win the game, to quote Herm Edwards. But still, I, I think that was a tough matchup and they played well, but not well enough to win. And that, to me, was the more uh, damaging statements on their resume, Larry, is, you know, Rutgers as well as Michigan. Um, and, and it's pretty simple for Wisconsin. They try to keep it pretty simple. It's basically not hitting shots and then not defending well. And I know that seems like a cliche standard, you know, just milk toast answer, but it, that's literally kind of what happened in that losing streak is after a while, it's like, okay, why are you letting Rutgers just shoot the lights out? Or why are you letting Michigan get uncontested shots, whether it's beyond the arc or work it in the paint or whatever? And I think what you finally saw last night or finally saw recently with Ohio State is I still don't think they're all the way back. Like Ohio State, let's let's not sugarcoat it. They're they're not they're closer to the bottom, almost at the bottom. 
So the Badgers did what they needed to do to win. They looked good early. They looked more like the Badger team that we saw earlier in the year, early on. And then, like Greg Gard wisely said at the end of the game, uh, first team to 60 wins. It was old school Big Ten basketball. And they kind of had to just survive in advance, almost to steal a line from the NCAA tournament. You know, looking at their stats, 44% shooting, 33% from threes. They've had problems outside the arc uh, a number of times. Uh, still had 12 turnovers to eight for Ohio State. I think they'd like to knock that down a little bit. It has been, you know, a few things that have been unbadger-like during this streak. Now, the crazy thing is, and you've probably looked at it, they're basically in the race for second place still in the Big Ten because it, there's so much parity. So there's nothing to say that they can't still resurrect their season. And there was one of the years that they made the Final Four where they had an equally long losing streak, and people just kind of wrote them off. and time and time again, shame on me, shame on you, shame on everybody who's watching this, that teams do get better sometimes in March and they go through a valley and it makes them better in March. So I'm not going to make a ringing in, uh, indictment on their season. I'm not going to make a ringing endorsement on their season at this point. And I think to your point, um, one, you're right, that Wisconsin teams are never flashy. It is solid fundamentals and that's how they beat you. Um, and if you don't, But if you don't do those things, you maybe don't have that stud, even though AJ Store has been fantastic off the chain. Um, you don't have that stud to bring you out. So, I mean, even Johnny Davis, the year that he had, um, it was within the system that he was able to do those things and and to make those things happen. Um, and to your point, you're exactly right. Because of the parity there, um, you know, they're still just um, a half game right now behind Illinois, and they're sitting for the moment third by themselves. Now Northwestern's right there. Um, there's some other teams right there with six losses. Look, Wisconsin's going to lose again. Um, Illinois is going to lose again. So, you know, the chance to get up into second place, maybe Purdue can't be caught. We'll see. But the thing with their schedule is that, you know, they do play, you know, Wisconsin hosts Illinois in the third to last game of the season. And then they're at Purdue to end the season. So you have those two chances right now to beat those two teams in front of you. Um, and this is today's college basketball. Anything, anything is possible. Anything's possible. So there's no, to your point, there's nothing saying they can't beat those two teams. Well, and here's the thing, Larry, is they have a lot of tier one victories. You know, earlier in the year, they beat Marquette. They they had a lot of quality, quality wins. And now at nine and five, I mean, you, you're kind of in that category where you're going to have at least a 500 record, in my opinion, in the in the uh, Big Ten, barring, you know, just some unbelievable collapse. And you're probably going to get to at least the 20 win mark. So they'll make the NCAA tournament. Now, and I'm just speculating at this. I don't have any direct knowledge of this, but one thing that I did kind of observe early in the season is I, I like what you said, and I agree with like literally, it's like the ivory test 99 and 44 100s pure. I, yes, you got to work within the system. <laughs> the, the Badgers, the Badgers have a system, they, they play a certain way, whatever. But this was a little bit of an unusual Badger team when they were really clicking in the sense that, and I think you saw it. I think they had three straight games with 80 or more points. The last time that happened was the 2014-2015 season when they had Kaminsky and yeah. Decker and Bronson Koenig. They were more of a dynamic team that could play that style and went to the Final Four because they could play that style and they could defend. And that season, they won games that were in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s that they scored because they could. And to me, those are always the best Badger teams is you can play different styles. You can play speed up, slow down, whatever. The only thing that I can observe at this point is earlier in the season, 
I do think this team can score and they can fill it up. They haven't showed it lately, but maybe that was a little bit of a toxic elixir that they think they can continue to do that all the time. And the beauty of the Decker Kaminsky teams were they could adjust their style to who, if somebody wanted to slow them down, they could play that style. If somebody didn't think they could run with them or somebody didn't think they could get to 70, 80 points, unlike, you know, as Greg Gard said, typical big 10 basketball, they could outscore you and they'd beat you more often than not. So they need to kind of get back to that confidence level, that swagger, but they also need to realize a little bit who they are. Yeah. Talking with Lance Allen of TMJ four in Milwaukee about the Wisconsin Badgers, the next couple of games coming up at Iowa this weekend over Carver Hawkeye and then back home to take on Maryland team. Uh, These are a couple of teams. uh, And then after that, you're at Indiana three teams before you get back into uh, the teams ahead of them in the standings um, that are in kind of that, that mix just below the top three where um, it's not that they're bad teams. They just haven't won a lot. Um, But these are three teams that are very, three games are very winnable. There are also three games that could cause you some problems. If you don't bring it, you're not focused and don't don't do all the things well that get you success. Um, These are, you know, I I, I don't say every game's a trap game because I think, I do think that the big 10 coaches and Greg guard is a veteran. He, he knows what this league is that every single night you've got great coaches with great schemes with very talented players coming at you. Um, And it's, even though you, you may not get eight teams in the NCAA tournament this year, doesn't mean that this league is is not formidable every time you step onto the court. Yeah, and and that's the the dilemma is I tend to think, Larry, that this year the, the Big Ten is a little bit stronger. I think some would also argue and say, well, we've seen this act before. We've seen Purdue look really good and they get into the tournament, and then all of a sudden, you know, maybe they sneak through the first game and then you know, game two, they flame out. And you know, is it parody and is it a lot of really good teams, or is it a lot of teams that are slightly above average and they're just beating up on each other. I I tend to think this year from what I've seen that it is a lot of really good teams. Um but the proof will be in the pudding in March and and I, you're right like the, this season is so unpredictable. Um it lets you and I as prognosticators off the hook because yeah if anybody's telling you what they're, what is exactly going to happen there's very little that you can hang your hat on. Um I would and and the reason why I said I think the Badgers obviously get to at least 500 uh, double-digit wins in the Big Ten, 20 wins, whatever. is A couple of these games, they should definitely win. I don't care if they're on the road or whatever. They should win. And then there's nothing to say that, you know, Purdue, I think, is going to be a tough one. But there's nothing to say that they can't compete against Illinois or they can't win on the road or they can't beat certain teams that they, quite frankly, match up very well against. Yeah. I, right now, Wisconsin 9-5, and five, I, th- I would, I with you, I would be shocked if they – um, 13 wins, no question. A 14 wins is possible. I don't know if they run the table so much, although that's possible too. Um, I'd be surprised if they um, aren't, uh, you know, right there still in the mix in the top three when they do face Illinois coming up um, here on March 2nd. Um, I want to talk a little football before we um, let you go right now as we've not talked about uh, the Badgers and um, just changes there and, and what's going on there in the offseason right now in Madison. I uh, had a Q&A with uh, Luke Fickle in Milwaukee last Thursday, and I think he has learned a lot um, from one from year one, quite frankly, Larry, that kind of more what they need. Um, I think he realizes now that the offensive line is a backbone and a staple of Wisconsin football, and you kind of need to recruit this Wisconsin area and get those, uh, as uh, you know, Barry Alvarez used to call them, those big palookas up front. You know, you've got to have those big dudes, those 300-pounders, 
uh, pounding and, and doing the thing. Like you can still run your air raid system. You can still do certain things. You can open it up a little bit more, but you still need certain things. And I think they're going to look to Hunter Waller in the back end. They're going to be a little more of a defensive team next year. Chez Malusi and his, you know, another return from another injury. And they kind of look to him for inspiration. And they named Jack Nelson a, a captain as well. Uh, because, you know, I think they want, you know, an offensive lineman to kind of show the way. Now, uh, you know, Owen Strubing is one of those guys that, once again, Barry Alvarez, and to a lesser extent, Brett Bielema and other guys, kept, the, it was literally almost like a fence around Wisconsin. And he, Barry Alvarez oftentimes said, we need to keep the best talent in Wisconsin. Owen Strubing goes to Notre Dame. I mean, that can't continue to happen if, if you want to criticize Luke Fickle and the Badgers and kind of what's going on there. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's a troubling situation. The other thing I wanted to talk about, Larry, was, you know, I know we're dear friends, fast friends, but when Doc Rivers got the job and CNN Sports broke it, I, th- I thought you'd give me the first heads up, man. When I heard <laughs> CNN Sports broke it, I thought, what, what, what? My man Larry didn't call me. Why did he say that I was getting the job? <laughs> you What's know, funny is all of us who have been at CNN Sports over the years, we were as confused as you were. We said, CNN Sports? <laughs> what? What shows on CNN Sports? How did, how did they break it? You know, even, even inside the NBA, said CNN Sports, and I think Kenny went, CNN Sports? Really? We, I mean, we all were surprised. We were stunned. We, we, and I, that's the great mystery. We, I still haven't been able to find out how that happened, but you know what? I'm going to dig that up for you and, and let you know, um, because they didn't, they didn't tell me either as a, as an ex CNN Sports guy. All I know, Larry, is they always say, don't read the comments on social media. That was the day where I relished every comment because it was, <laughs> oh, did Larry Smith break the news? Was it better or right? Or was it Dan Patrick? Or I mean, everybody had their pet guest on who, who broke in with the news. Exactly. There, <laughs> there literally has not been a sports show on CNN since before 9-11. 9-11 wow. was the death knell of sports tonight. That's when they killed That's when they killed the show because of 9-11. Their AOL, AOL was going to do it anyway, even though the it was sold out the rest of the year. And it was like number two behind Larry King Live and Revenue. So in my career, which now is over 30 years, it's always one of the great enigmas that how do you kill a cash cow? Well, AOL did it. And uh, yeah, but yeah. So for anyone wondering about CNN sports, they are still alive. They don't do shows on CNN. They do them on CNN International and I guess .com and even Headline News is gone now. So I I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I, yeah, you and I both. Speaking of, by the way, we'll discuss more later. Doc Rivers, what, what, what are they doing? I mean, (laughs) you guys were winning. You were, you were winning. And. The, the ownership group of the Bucks, if you haven't noticed, are a little on the impulsive side. Uh, the, the the that's the that's the short version, Larry. There you go. And same thing. A lot of a lot of people were like, you know, Budenholzer. It was a he won you a title. Now some would say, hey, the way they lost, whatever. But a little bit of a quick trigger there too. Um, yeah, I, I, things weren't going well under Adrian Griffin, but you were still in first place. And now with Doc Rivers, you're kind of adjusting on the fly, and you're three and six since he took over. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's going to be plenty of fodder there going down the stretch. Yeah. Yeah. And they did not look good against Miami the other night. So, all right, my friend, we will leave it there. I'll dig up the doc river CNN sports thing and see if I can get an answer for you. <laughs> Lance, always good to talk to you. My friend, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you soon.
You too, Larry. Thanks. Anytime. All right. All right. Lance Allen, once again, he's the main sports anchor with the TMJ4 in Milwaukee. Joining us as always here on the Big Sports Radio and uh, always gives us a little more than what we expect. That's why we love having him on the show. Stay with us. We've uh, got much more uh, to come. Bob Lorenz, by the way, speaking of CNN, the former CNN sports guy joins us in the second hour uh, to talk baseball. He's now with Yes Network. We'll get his thoughts uh, primarily on the American League. Uh, that's up next. You're listening to Big Sports Radio. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. We're back here, and, and you know, Mike... We're getting closer and closer to the month of March. And we know what happens in March. Yes, I know. We, it probably still snows. But but no, what happens in March, Mike, is the... Two things. We have the, March Madness and the Elimination Chamber. Well, I'm going to go... Let's talk March Madness then. Okay. Let's talk about that. I, I know that that's maybe not your thing, but we'll go with it anyway. No, but March Madness comes along and... I'm looking at college basketball. I don't know if you saw the game Monday night. Kansas just got destroyed by Texas uh, Tech. I mean, like, Bill Self got sent out of, he got kicked out of Lubbock. I mean, he was, he got, he got banished. He got ejected. They lost by 29. I mean, is there anybody, I, I look at college basketball right now, you see a Kansas, they're a blue blood. It's like Purdue, Connecticut, and then everybody else is left. You know, the funny thing is, is the transfer portal coupled with NIL funds has brought the teams closer together. Doesn't mean that there's not some really good teams out there, but on any given night, somebody can be beat. And if you happen to have just a, a bad night, a few calls go against you, you know, the, the but one thing goes leads into another. I think this can happen to any team because even Purdue's been beaten handily by, I believe, Northwestern. You know, so it it doesn't surprise me other than the fact, I'll be honest with you, I I consider Bill Self to be the best coach in college basketball. And so when that fair. happens, it, when that happens to him, you go, well, maybe that's a little crazy. But I do think that this that that's what's going to make the tournament so dang fun this year, just like last year, is you legitimately don't know who's going to um, win when it comes down to any given game. There is no, there are three teams right now. Three teams. And we still have a month left, guys. Three teams have five, fewer than five losses in a power conference. Houston, Purdue, and Connecticut. And, and we know Houston also got drilled by Kansas. Just a week ago, right? I mean, so these are these are things that can, especially on the road. Man, it is tough. They they lost by thirteen at Kansas and, and got handled. So, especially on the road, it is really hard to win in college basketball. And man, it, it it's we've created true, and dare I say it, it's almost NFL like uh, a parody here. 
You know, it's yeah, I mean, look, yeah, UNC, you know, lost to Syracuse after beating them by 36 a few weeks ago. You go back to Illinois beating Northwestern by 30 and then going back and losing to them in overtime a few weeks later. Um, the, if you're not ready to play on any given evening, it, it's going to be an ugly outcome. And, and for the first time ever, it's not like those, those blue bloods don't have an advantage because they've got, you know, they're generally going to get the, the better players at least the first time. But for a coach who's smart, if they lose a recruitment, they get, they stay good friends with everybody. And maybe a year or two later, you get the more mature version of that player to play for you. Now it's like you're going to start placing guys at mid-majors and then taking them two years later. Hey, go down there and get some playing time and then come on up. <laughs> but you look, you know, I mean, if you want to win, you got to use, you got to play by the rules. So if that's what the rule is, mm, go yep. with it. Mike, I got two other teams I want to talk about real quick. Gonzaga. Is, are the Zags back? Um, we were talking to them a while back. Are oh, the Zags, ah, they're not not good. They're not going to make it this year. Going to miss tournament. Two teams that have really long streaks, by the way, that we're going to talk about here. But Gonzaga's one of them. Are they back? 18-6, and six, um, you know, coming off a nice win uh, at Kentucky. Uh, you got to feel like the Zags, uh, you know, are, are, on, are moving in the right direction. Yeah, I expect to see them in the tournament. They have, I know we're we're supposed to do the tournament based only on that year's results, but you can't tell me there were a couple of years in these streaks that, that teams get in that you go, well, maybe um, they'll get the benefit of the doubt and they probably deserve it based on an extremely long track record of success. Yeah. And, and of course they, they could still, I mean, St. Mary's and them are still at the top of that conference and yep. i think it's fair to say that they could still win the the conference tournament too i mean so yep. let's not let's not put the dirt on them yet the other team with the longest streak 25 year consecutive years in the ncaa tournament tom Izzo and the michigan state spartans you know they came into the season as a top five team they obviously have not played like a top five team but man they have three really good guards they've got a, some bunch of guys who can play center and bang and be physical a really talented foreman who, when he decided Malik Hall, if we wants to play, I mean, this is a team that has a recipe to maybe make a, a little run here. Am I, am I right? Yeah, I think they do. Uh, it's probably unfortunate that their center position hasn't played better, um, whether that's the re recruits not being as good or a, a miss by the, the coach Izzo on the roster construction. But this team, if you have guards in the NCAA tournament, you can win because if they get hot, they start stretching the zone or the defense and, and getting, you know, room on the court. That means even, you know, average guys on the inside can take advantage of some space. And in Izzo's teams, you know they'll do two things. They're going to rebound and they're going to play physical defense no matter what. And so I, I will be shocked if they're not in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they've got a very favorable schedule after beating Illinois. You know, they they they've got games with Penn State and you know a reeling Michigan team, Ohio State at home, Iowa at home. They do have a game at Purdue and at, they've got games at Indiana, but then they got Northwestern at home. A lot of games they should win if they you know if they continue to play um, the way they've been playing of late. But you know you got to go out and do it. But I, I really I think the key for them might be whether the freshman uh, Xavier Booker can become a, a player that they can 
that could maybe help them um, in, in the postseason because he provides some athleticism and and length up front to go with their you know their four perimeter guys. But yeah, Tom Izzo, you know they always say January February Izzo because he is the man in March. We'll be back right after this. We'll hear a few from messages from our sponsors. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. I just did with us here, Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy, as we continue here and uh, counting down toward March and counting also toward the offseason. Spring sports now underway. Um, already talking about you know football. Is spring f- football is coming up. I mean, it's you know it's it's a never it's nonstop, right? Uh, Matt Brown is back with us again. He is with uh, ExtraPointsMB.com. Had an article that, as you know, we're big fans of what Matt does, and um, uh, and he had an article uh, a few days ago that really caught our attention, and uh, we're lucky to have him here on the show. Matt, good to talk to you again. How are things going? Yeah, thanks. It's it's uh it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so I want to dive right in. I don't waste anybody's time and or waste your time. But uh, you had a great article talking about, in in a nutshell, how NIL as it exists, um, just this model isn't sustainable. Now, this is not a surprise for any of us paying attention. Um, but you bring up some really good points. Kind of go over a little bit, kind of um, in your own words, kind of your your research and how you came to this. Sure. So if, if you are an NIL collective at the power five level and, and, and even like not even in Ohio State or in Alabama or Texas or something, but but somewhere in the middle of the power five, you, the, if you want to be you know competitive with your peers for a combined pool for football men and men's and women's basketball at the bare minimum, Jai Collective is going to need to raise at least seven million dollars. Uh, and, and, and that number is ticking up a little bit if you want to be able to have a pool that, that can pay. For multiple for for multiple sports, and what's happened over the last the you know the first two years or so of this model is that the majority of collectives would raise that money from a handful of what we might call whales or, or individual uh, high value donors, people that are that are kicking in six figures, uh, and, and you might have a dozen or so people responsible for 70 percent of 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 the nil uh, collective's money, and that is relatively cheap. That's relatively quick to do, right? If you don't have to ask that many people for money and every program has a handful of very rich people. But two years into this, what to a man and to a woman, collective operators, ADs, and even some coaches have been telling me is that there's donor fatigue. You can only ask those same 10 or 12 rich people for six figures so many times, especially when some of the guys that those collectives have paid for um, haven't panned out. Haven't ended up being starters. Have transferred. Got DUIs. Uh, got injured. All, all, all manner of other things. That amount of money isn't indefinite. Uh, so there's a major push in the industry right now for collectives to find ways to either better engage small donors, get lots of people to kick in 10, 12, 15 bucks a month, or to do the thing that NIL was, I guess, technically supposed to be from the begin with, which is then to find actual brand value deals, where instead of asking people for money for an exchange for autographs or a fake marketing deal, to go get them actual marketing deals. And there's some headway here where I talked about a specific example within the story, but that's expensive and it's hard to scale. And it's the same problem that folks that work in university development face, people that work in political fundraising or that do a hospital fundraising. If eventually, if you can't rely on the same 12 people, you have to spend real money and real skill to go fundraise 
And that takes time and money, which is something that many of these NIL groups have been loath to spend. Yeah, you're, these are such excellent points. And you're exactly right that it's and that's where, you know, it, you find I, I'm amazed to see how each school does it differently. Like some schools are trying to kind of bring it under all one umbrella. Um, other schools have several collectives. Um, yeah. But but you're, you have to go through and, and kind of work at this. And, and you're right. It, you can only go with this so much. And the problem is that when you go into the universities, you have that booster group already, like you said, that you already go to. Um, it seems to me, and let me know what you found out, that that if you're going to the same people for NIL that you go to for those big projects, like updating the softball field or, you know, building a new weight room for basketball, um, now you're double dipping. And now that that thins out that pool even more. You know, so it's interesting because that was the concern for most ADs in 2021. And, and there was a lot of digital ink written about that. But what we've actually found from looking at financial data is that that hasn't really happened very much. Most schools in the Power Five are still reporting to the Department of Education, to the NCAA, year-over-year increases in donor engagement. And what I've, what I've heard from collective operators is that while there is some double dipping, they're by and large, they're fishing in more different pools than you might expect. And I, I, as an example here, uh, if you are somebody who is a big fan of, let's say, University of Indiana athletics, but you live in Minnesota. So donating to the athletic department itself may be less attractive to you because the, the, the biggest carrot that the athletic department typically gives to donors is tickets mm -hmm. and engagement to things on campus. But if you live 500, 600 miles away and you're only coming to campus two or three times a year, that may not be as attractive, but the collective might offer you buy-in in different ways, whether that's content, whether that's stuff, whether that's discounts somewhere else, or just the feeling that what you're giving is more directly related to wins and losses. And so I've heard from collective operators saying, like, we've actually done a better job engaging people who have money that have never donated to the athletic department before. Um, and that's great, but nobody really knows how much longer you can do that. Because even if you find a different pool of donors, that pool is not exhaustive. And uh, if, if, you know, if, if inflation goes up, if businesses are struggling, if there's other challenges out there, that impacts the people who might be giving money to. Mm -hmm. You mentioned in your article, um, Home Field Apparel that's based in Indiana, and they've kind of got a partnership. Um, and in fact, two schools in the Big Ten are, are going to be doing this, uh, Purdue, yeah. Indiana, uh, also Florida, uh, Georgia, and, and Kansas State. How does this idea work compared to some other things out there? Yeah, and, and there's a couple other companies that have done somewhat similar things. Uh, it's not dissimilar to the really popular fundraising model for like the Boy Scouts or Little Leagues or elementary schools. Homefield sells T-shirts and collegiate licensed apparel, and it, it specializes in uh, vintage logos, right? If you want to get something from an Indiana logo from the 1950s that you can't get at Target or Dick's Sporting Goods, you go to Homefield. And what Homefield is saying is like, hey, listen, I'm going to give you guys a special discount code. Um, for say just Indiana stuff. And then I'm going to give a percentage of the sales of that discount code directly to Indiana's collective. So home, from Homefield's perspective, the collective's handling Homefield's marketing because the, the, the collective is incentivized to share that code and to drum up sales. The fans benefit because they're going to buy this stuff anyway. And now by buying the things that are directly supporting the athletes, and then the collective benefits because now they're having access to fundraising where they don't have to ask their fans independently for money. The fans are going to get the are going to be able to get money to the collective for doing things they'd already be doing. You know, I, I referenced this in the article, like a really common strategy here where I live in Chicago, like for my daughter's elementary school, is once a month 
our neighborhood Wendy's will have like a CPS night. And then everybody that goes to Wendy's on that day, that money goes into a pool and our elementary school gets 25% of that pool. So that day, all the teachers and all the parents are out there at pickup handing out little pieces of paper saying, hey, go to Wendy's today. It's for the kids. And so on my line, I came like, well, you know, this Baconator is for my children. So like, actually, this is the this is the socially responsible thing to do. Then the school gets, you know, 800 bucks, 1000 bucks. Wendy's gets a bunch of people doing marketing for them and everybody wins. It's that same strategy here applied maybe at a larger scale for an NIL collective. Yeah. Let me ask a little different question while I've got you talking with Matt Brown of ExtraPointsMB.com. Great article as always, really insightful stuff. And we're talking here NIL. Rick Pitino said recently, earlier this month, he he got a floated idea out there that there needs to be a salary cap in terms of NIL. And and I, I, I can't help but wonder if, as we're seeing the Big Ten and the SEC form this, you know, quote unquote, advisory panel as we move into the next phase of college football and, and the expansion takes place. And finally uh, comes to fruition here in July. Um, it feels like we're headed to that, and I think that at that point, it does to bring that even make it public. So many, so many nil nil deals right now are not made public. Like you really, this player allegedly, the rumor is he's getting eight hundred thousand dollars, but how does that break down, or is he really getting it? It feels like if you have that kind of accountability, like you do well in pro sports, um, it, it changes the game, and maybe I, in my mind, makes it more manageable. What are your thoughts? Well, in many ways, it does make things more manageable, but it's also extremely illegal unless you make one big change, which is make players employees. Okay. The only way you can legally have a salary cap for anything is if that is collectively bargained between management and between a union or between yeah. player, you know, player associations. If you try to dictate some kind of salary cap otherwise... That is an antitrust violation. That's collusion. And you will be sued 48 hours after you make that announcement. And the NCAA actually tried to do this with coaches. You know, I, I want to say this was in the 90s. The, the UNLV took them to court um, over you know, limiting what you could pay uh, football assistance and the NCAA lost. Um, so that's why you don't have mandated public disclosure of NIL deals. And that's mm -hmm. why schools can't re meaningfully restrict uh, what happens with NIL? I think that's why the the and many the NCAA is likely to lose this court case right now with, with Tennessee and Virginia. Uh, eventually, once there is an employment model and once there is some kind of union, I think that is exactly what's going to end up happening. There's going to be a salary cap. There's going to be uh, a salary floor. There's going to be visibility on outside and, and restrictions on outside income, exactly the same way we have in the NFL. Like I tell people here. The idea of having a fan fundraising group to pay for Justin Fields' salary for the Chicago Bulls would not only be laughed out of the building anywhere that anyone tries to pr propose that in Chicago, it's also extremely against the NFL CBA. And if the Bears tried that, they would lose draft picks and they'd face massive fines. That's the world we are likely to go to in college athletics, which means many of these NIL collectives will either move in-house, become pure marketing agencies, or will disappear. Yeah, yeah. Great points. And I'm glad I brought that up so we can tell Rick, no, <laughs> you can't have that. Although it does feel as we had our, our guest on last week talking about uh, the Dartmouth deal. Um, it does feel like we're headed toward that. Maybe not in the next five, six, seven years. Um, it's going to take some time to work through the course, but it feels like we're headed in that direction. Oh, hey, I, I think much sooner than that. Like th this, this is not a eight, seven, eight year intellectual really? abstraction. This is two years. 
Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Even sooner. This is even even up- sooner because the friends, the Dartmouth case is not happening in a vacuum. The Dartmouth case is happening while there's another NLRB ruling in, in, in Los Angeles, which could expand more. We already have Johnson v. NCAA, which is going to be ruled on this year in district court. The NCAA is likely to lose that. And you have a settlement for House that's likely to happen this year. Like this stuff is not coming in, in, in seven, eight years. Like this is there's a reason the NCAA spent so much time and energy trying to lobby Congress this year because they can't prevent the horse from getting out of the barn very soon. Yeah. So um, so you feel this kind of this all comes to play before these TV deals expire at the end of the decade. Oh, un- unquestionably. I, okay. I I think th- this, these are things that will be coming to play beginning this year. Uh, they'll be appealed, but by sure. 2026 is is the timeline. I think is oh. much more likely. Okay, okay. This is why we have you on the show, <laughs> so you can straighten this out and uh, yeah. and get straight. Matt, always great talking with you. We appreciate uh, your insights and even more so on this one. And um, as always, we'll be we'll be calling you soon to get to to get smarter at some point in the future. All right, thanks, fellas. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, Matt Brown, once again, the website is extrapointsmb.com. And be sure to subscribe as well um, to his uh, newsletter. Um, I've done that. And hopefully, uh, I know we all have done that. Hopefully you will too. Always great stuff, as you can see right here, really setting us straight. So you get some knowledge now and uh, you can go tell your friends uh, what's happening. All right. Stay with us. We've got more to come on the show right here. How would you like to get a free $100 prepaid MasterCard? and save money on your television bill. Then call right now, make the switch to Dish TV. For a limited time, we're offering a two-year price guarantee. That's important for those of you on a fixed budget to know your prices won't go up for two years. Plus, you have hundreds of channels, lots of live news and sports, movies, and more. And when you call right now, you can also ask about our discounts for seniors and those of you in the military. So, make the switch to Dish right now. Pick up the phone and call. Enjoy your television like you are meant to. And when you sign up today, We'll also give you a $100 free, prepaid MasterCard. Call right now, ask about our senior discount, our military discount, and your free $100 prepaid MasterCard. 800-706-7063 That's 800-706-7063 Paid for by NPS. Switch to Dish TV today for your free prepaid MasterCard. And we're back. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting how hard it is for the Oakland A's to um, find a home. You know, nobody seems to want them. They've actually been told to go back home by the Las Vegas mayor. But but they can find a play-by-play person, and they've got a, a female. Um, how cool is this, Mike? You know, it actually kind of shocks me because we see, we hear, you know, women on sports broadcasts all the time now. It kind of, I just never really went down and checked it off, but I kind of assumed somebody was already doing that. So it's awesome that uh, she's got the job and it would be nice if she knew where the heck the team was going to be located at because I would want a move package. She can't, she, she can't buy a house yet or rent a house or anything because she got, well, I'm not sure where we're going to be, you know, but the the official song, it's pretty cool. The official song of the Oakland A's is going to be that finally found a home by Huey Lewis and the news when they figure out where the heck they're going to be. It's, I tell you what, when, when, when Las Vegas mayor told them to, you know, bye-bye. 
Yeah, that makes it hard wild. to do deal with. Yeah, Jenny Kavnar, of course, is uh, her name. We haven't. I don't think we even said that. But Jenny Kavnar, she is. Um, she's got you know a history of doing this. You know, doing games, and she's done some stuff. But it's pretty cool because you know we've seen. Um, you know, Jessica Mendoza kind of broke the ice a little bit. She was the. You know, she's been involved in postseason baseball and different things. You know, former uh, softball uh, Olympian. Um, and, and this, but you know, Jenny Kavner, she's been in the 20 years in this, she's covered baseball for 17 years. Um, and, uh, you know, it's pretty, uh, she's been a backup before and, in, in you know, in Colorado and things like that. But I, I think it's really cool to see this, you know, I, I think it expands, it expands the game because the game's for everybody, right? I mean, it's not just a man's game. It's not just a women's game. And, and we've seen this, the proliferation of women's softball too. And we've got professional leagues there and things like this. So, you know, we're starting to see, um, I think it's really cool um, to see this. You know, the bottom line is, is, you know, 51% of the population's women. And if you want to grow your business and, and baseball and pro sports are businesses, you want to hook in those fans. And there's no better example than how the NFL, the number one league in, in the country, found out that with Taylor Swift, they could get access to a whole group of people who don't watch NFL football. And supposedly before the Super Bowl broke all these viewer records, the Chiefs and the uh, NFL supposedly brought in $331 million of additional business because of Taylor Swift. And, and if you can draw in more fans across the country, why would you not want to do that? Yeah, it's good. And it's not just, so it's not just play by play either. We're going to have some uh, women in blue. No, I don't mean, uh, you know, police officers. I mean, uh, major league baseball umpires. Um, uh, so Jen Paywall is getting um, to uh, serve, could serve as major league baseball's first female umpire. Now we've seen, it's interesting. We've seen women do NBA games and, and I'm not trying to be I think it'd be easier to do baseball than NBA. I'm just, if we're going to say, oh, they're not, I mean, and maybe it's just because they don't want to. And we've seen a lot of, obviously, women's, uh, the fast pitch, we see a lot of females doing that. But now you've got a 47-year-old woman who has uh, been doing this for Climb the Ladder, paid her dues, um, served a minor league umpire starting in 2016, did the home plate, uh, hit home, did the plate umpire in the AAA championship game back in 2023. Um, she will, I, I think it's, there's no doubt she's going to get an opportunity um, she's working this spring. I think she'll get an opportunity, whether it's full-time or whether it's as a sub this year, she'll get an opportunity to, to do a major league baseball game. That's big news. Yeah. I mean, that, that is awesome. And we'll see what happens, but boy, it, it would be great to get somebody up there. And, and obviously, you know, she's been in the minor leagues, you know, for since 2016. So, so it's not like th this is going to be a new experience for her and, and obviously, AAA championship game, you know, last year. So, so this is just a natural progression. I think it's fantastic. And and again, the more people you can get involved in your sport, the better it's going to be. So we're making history. And you know what else made history? Indiana State is ranked for the first time since Larry Bird was there. And they promptly did what, Mike? They were beaten by Illinois State in today. <laughs> At home. Yeah, At we, home. We, what was that? That was uh Tuesday night. So basically they have they were ranked essentially, you know, ranked for about as long as most of my diets last between now eight and twelve hours. So that's pretty yeah. impressive. 
Yeah, they went down quickly. Yeah, you know, obviously they're they're still a good team, but uh, you know, I, I think some of it is you know it's hard to be the hunted. You know what I mean? And they're the hunted now. Oh, we got a rank. Now we got a ranked win. And the you know they were they didn't have Larry Bird to bail them out this time. No, no, and and it is. I will tell you though that they have got a lot of fans who are excited for Indiana State, and I'm really hoping to see them in the NCAA tournament because they are an exciting team to watch. They are fun. They can score. They had a rough night shooting. I think they were one of 17 from three in the first half. Tough to overcome that, but you know. So Indiana State, congratulations on being ranked, and we're probably not going to see you there again this year. So anyway, you know, thanks for thanks for coming. So <laughs> we'll be back right after this. Hopefully we'll have some, uh, we'll talk about some more rankings. Fans of big sports radio and sports spectacular podcasts have a new home on the chief sports network. Find your favorite programs and content all in one place by downloading the chief sports app in your mobile device. Created in South Carolina, the Chief Sports Network is the home of an expanding network of live and podcast format programming. It is also the home of one of the leading national college football podcasts, J.C. and Morgan, hosted by ESPN's Mike Morgan and 24-7 Sports' J.C. Sherbert. Download the Chief Sports app for free and find all of your favorite programming under one easy umbrella. Thanks to all of our markets for your loyal support of Big Sports Radio and our Sports Spectacular podcast. And we look forward to connecting with you anywhere in the world on the Chief Sports app. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Right back here on the show. I'm glad you're with us here this weekend as we get ready to, hard to believe, March is right around the corner and uh, some guys flying south getting ready for it. Uh, good friend of ours that um, goes back to you know our producer, Tony Cordero, and I. We've talked about our days of CNN Sports. Uh, we get a chance to talk with Bob Lorenz. Uh, he's a pregame and postgame host on the Yes Network. Uh, one of the veterans, one of the true great guys uh, in this industry. And uh, again, like we say, a former CNN Sports host. So, Bob, good to see you again. Welcome to the show. Larry, thanks. When you call me a veteran guy, that's just a nice way of saying one of the old guys. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, you weren't supposed to agree with that. Well, well, because, <laughs> because you have less gray hair than I do. So, <laughs> well, it's the magic of television. Let's just say that. <laughs> Make up and lighting, baby. Make up and lighting. <laughs> uh, good to have you on. We we definitely want to talk about this upcoming season here. Let's start, of course, uh, with, with the Yankees. Um Look, let's just be honest. Last year wasn't the way they would have liked for it to go. Um, what changes does this program, does this this program, does this team make, this franchise make um, to get back in the swing of things here this spring and heading into the new season? Well, this is going to sound like the, you could call it an excuse because every team has them, but it is a good reason for an 82 and 80 season. They had a ton of injuries, uh, especially with veteran guys. I mean, Aaron Judge running into a wall in Los Angeles, and he's out for more than a month with a toe. I mean, just stuff like that. But Anthony Rizzo gets hit, and he has concussion symptoms that wipe out his season. And he was having a great season. So things like that that set the team back. Now, having said that, they've always had that next man up philosophy, and I think every team does. But at some point, that kind of – runs its course. Like you can't keep doing that year after year. And it caught up with the Yankees last year. So in the off season, they had to get healthy, but they also had to make some changes, which they did. 
Yeah. Um, obviously, we start at the top with uh, Texas Rangers right now. What do you see with the Rangers coming back and and how they they build on this? Look, it's always great to to be the team that wins it all in October, right? But yep. it comes to February. Uh, that's yesterday's news, and it's back to the grind on day one. It is the great reset, right? Like you think of, oh, Texas is in great shape, and look what the Dodgers did in the offseason, right? They're the super team. Well, you win the offseason, Larry. It doesn't mean you win the season. It's a 162-game grind. Now, having said that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know a ton about Texas in terms of those personalities. Obviously, they had a lot to persevere to win the title. But do they have the hangover effect? That's what I wonder. Like, they got the championship. How hungry is every guy on that roster to go back and do it again? That's that's what I would say. But really, about any team that wins a championship, what do they build on it? Or do they are they comfortable with it? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why it's so hard to, that's what to me made the Yankees, made Derek Jeter so amazing is that he he would win MVPs, he would win titles, and he was never satisfied. Right. And you're exactly right. That's and and the thing is it's it's not pointing the finger at them or anybody else. It's human nature. You know, once once you've been there, you've done that and you've got the ring, the trophy, and and you've got the dollars, you know, in the bank account. Um, you know, it's it's human nature to say, okay, well, I've kind of figured things out now. I don't have to reach as as much. And I think that's the challenge with every, with every team. You know, the one thing that I'm thinking about Texas too, and we've talked about this on our, we have do an off season show called the hot stove show is there from what we're hearing and, and they win the championship. So, you know, that was extra money for the team, right? Like they're not making any big moves. Like they, Jordan Montgomery apparently wants to rejoin them. Uh, look, is he going to cost $200 million? Probably. Why haven't they signed him? Like, what is going on? That that would be a great refit with them. They traded for him. He pitched well for them in the regular season and the postseason. And you hear like, oh, well, maybe they haven't figured out their regional sports TV deal yet because they were. And it's like, is that really what's holding them up? Because they don't know how much they're getting because their regional TV deal broke down. It just it's weird. It doesn't make sense with Texas. And that's what I can't figure out. Like, like you have the money, sign the guy. Right, right, exactly. Um, you hear a lot about um, those things in terms of the industry, and how much does that affect? I mean, to the to people who maybe don't know, how much does that affect um, teams and, and and their budgets? Obviously, I mean, Texas is not a small market team. I mean, Dallas is a is a large market, um, but how much does that really play into um, teams and in terms of salaries and those kinds of things? Well, I will say this, that we've seen a trend in the off-seasons now for probably four or five years about how these big-name players, the, the real superstars that are going to get the 200 300-plus million-dollar deals, it trends towards them not signing until, I mean, we're in February, and Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, Matt Chapman, these guys have not signed. And I think it's been more of a trend that there aren't as many teams bidding against each other. They they want to hear what everybody else is bidding. So why are we not? I mean, even if you think about, remember when Manny Machado and Bryce Harper were out there? They didn't sign till I think it was early March. Yeah. So teams are, I think the trend is that teams are just patient. They don't want to be that team that, remember when, I'm going to go back years, but Alex Rodriguez was with Seattle and Texas signed him for 252 million and the nearest bidder was like 70 million below. Like you don't want to be that owner that gets bamboozled into doing that. So I think teams are just patient now. And it's just that the 
financial dynamic has changed. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing then teams just spending willy-nilly. And then to your point, now obviously you're out of cash. Um, the big signing in the offseason obviously was was Atani leaving the Angels. Um, that that anything about that deal surprise you, other than of course he's deferring most of the cash to later. Right. <laughs> right. Well, the dollar amount surprised me when I saw it was 700 million. I was like, okay, didn't see that coming because we yeah. all thought about that five to six range. The right. deferred money is crazy, but if you think about it, and and again, the Dodgers, the minute that deal came down, Larry, we were like, there's no way this passes muster. Right. But it does. It's within the Major League Baseball rules. You can defer anything beyond $2 million. So that's what he's doing. Now think about this from an Otani perspective. His deferred money starts after the contract's over in 10 years, right? So if he goes and moves to Japan, all of that income, the $68 million a year, that's tax-free. So instead of paying 13% California tax and federal tax, he pays no tax on it. So it's a win. It's a win-win for both because now the Dodgers take that 68 million and they can invest it in their Guggenheim fund, one of those, right? That's who basically owns the team. And they make interest and money off that. So it's it's a win-win. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. Yeah. It's it's yeah, no question about it. Talking with Bob Lorenz of the Yes Network. I want to get back to the Yankees a little bit. Um, how does Soto uh fit in with the Yankees here this season? It's a great question. And I'm so I'm on the fence, Larry. Now I am gonna sound like the veteran old guy <laughs> screaming from my front porch because I like a lot of the changes in the game. <laughs> I don't like I've never loved the Soto histrionics between every pitch. Having said that, so the, the, I, I say that, Larry, because that's not the Yankee way. It's Most of the Yankees in history have not been a look-at-me kind of guy. So now it's going to be interesting to see how he fits. As a ball player, he's going to fit. They're going to love him. I mean, the guy is an uber superstar. But um, I just think that it, it's a wait and see. I think he's going to fit. It's going to be fine. But the personality, how does the personality fill the room when you've got, now think about it, your biggest superstar is Aaron Judge, who is not a look at me guy. He's quiet. He's like that quiet leadership like Derek Jeter, right? So how does a big personality like Soto fit on the team? You don't want to change who he is, but you want him to fit. Well, my question too about Judge, is he the type of leader like a Jeter that if if the clubhouse is just getting, if he's too disruptive, does he pull him aside to say, hey, I mean, is he that kind of guy? I think he is. Well, I maybe think they find out, he, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think he's probably done some things like that that uh, that people don't know about. Yeah. But I think it's him. I think it's Rizzo. I think it's those veteran guys who are the fly under the radar, play hard, work hard, lead by example. I think those are the kinds of guys that stand out in that clubhouse. Yeah. Bob, you know that uh, our friend Tony is a big Orioles fan, and so I know he wants to know, um, you know, what you thought. Uh, you saw a lot about them last year. They've got this young core uh, coming back here in 2024. So two things about the Orioles. Great team uh, in terms of they believe who they are. Mm -hmm. I think they're always going to feel like that, and it's a good thing, that underdog mentality, kind of like the Tampa Bay Rays. Right? Like they're always, nobody believes in us. And then they win 99, 100 games. I think the Orioles have that same mentality. And then they had Corbin Burns, 
And now they're going to have new ownership. And that's huge because even though the guy's buying, I think, 40% now, the new there's two billionaire owners of that team now coming in. They're going to eventually own it, all of it, once Peter Angelos passes away. So, But they get control right now. So that's going to be a huge thing for this team that I would say this. Was Baltimore ever a destination for free agents? No. And they, because, one, they weren't paying. Now they have the cash to do that. Now they have the wherewithal. And now if you're a veteran who looks at that team and says, a lot of young players are going to be good for a really long time. Like, this is sustainable. This isn't a, I'm going to go there, we have one shot at winning the World Series, and then the team's going to suck. They're going to be good for a long time. And isn't uh, Cal Ripken Jr. part of that the new ownership group? Am yes, yes he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, talking with Bob Lorenz here again. He's, uh, I, I won't say the word veteran, uh, pregame post. <laughs> Yankees on the Yes Network. Um, Bob, you've been, uh, yes, I won't say how many years, um, but it's it's been, a, you've had a fantastic run there. How has that changed in terms of, uh, I remember when that network started, uh, when yeah. they were in its infancy, um, they bring you in and you gave them such credibility and still do to this day. How have things changed for you and the network um, in this landscape in terms of, you know, the relationship between teams and and their broadcast entities has evolved over the years? How has it changed uh, from your perspective? Uh, well, let, so let's give credit to our former teammate and colleague, Fred Hickman, who was the first anchor for three years at Yes Network. He really helped bring their credibility around instantly and put them on the map. Um but I think I think the way it's I don't think anything's changed with what we do in terms of trying to set a standard. We had a, a a production group that came in that had been led by John Filippelli that had been at Fox and ABC. And so they set a they had a network standard mentality in mind. And we've always had that at yes. That's why we like to consider ourselves. And I, I think the ratings show that kind of the gold standard of regional sports networks. Um, I think that's been sustainable for us, that that's still the case. Uh, but things change. I mean, I think the pandemic changed things. I think the way, I mean, listen, Larry, the way we do business, right? Zooms and it just just everything. So, so I think things have changed financially and the business side of the landscape but I also think that kind of like when we were at CNN, like we would do whatever we could to make sure that what we did was the best possible. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that's where, um, to your point, but I think to have ownership and to have management and to have everyone on the team that everyone's bought in on that, I think makes a big difference. We don't always see that now in television, not because people don't care, um, but you don't always have the commitment from the top all the way down. Right. And, I, and I think that it's to your point, when I watch, I see the same kind of quality that I saw five years ago, 10 years ago, to your point, I don't, I don't see a drop off or a, if you will, a, a cheapening of, of the product that just doesn't exist. For you I guys. agree with that. I think I, I do think, um, and I won't say it's just yes network. I think it's every regional and national network. They've learned to do more with less. Yeah. I sure. think that's probably, you know, fair to say of anybody, but that's just the business landscape. So, you know, it, when it's in our hands, Larry and, and Tony too, it's like, how do we make this the best product possible? Yeah. Doesn't matter if you got five people, 50 people, all these resources or 
limited resources. Yeah. We care about making sure that the viewers are taken care of and they have the best product possible. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, <clears throat> we have the best product on this show as we have you on there. I think that we should all think about next off season. You're about to get really busy. Uh, we do our own podcast just to like CNN stories. And I think that would be um, really would be must hear. We, oh the, my gosh. The, the, three, yeah. the three of us, we should, we should, I think people, the stuff the three of us would talk about when this call ends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. We should, we I should mean, so many fun. great times that weren't even, you know, you know, I, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to invoke his name, Vince Cellini, one of our former colleagues. He and I are obviously still in contact. And we talk about all the times when he was doing calling all sports and we would do all the little sketches and skits and stupid stuff. And like, and they were just like, Hey, yeah, do it. Go ahead. <laughs> Whatever. And we just cooked this stuff up and Oh my gosh, it was like our own little SNL, you know? It was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think, and, and you doing the, um, the great lead in for um, Austin powers. Oh um, my God. In Toronto. We've got folks. It's, it's on YouTube somewhere. I'm sure it is. Uh, <laughs> I have to tell you, Larry, it's the funniest thing. As I look back on that, my wife at one point was just like, for the love of God, would you stop doing Austin powers? Like, like you do it a hundred times a day. And it was like, yeah, I get it. 10 years later. Yeah. Okay. I'll stop. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all thankful that you didn't stop too early that you made sure you got it in on that one. <laughs> Bob, great to talk with you. Um, enjoy the season and hopefully you can find some time here. Um, once the games get going to, to join us again and we'll talk some more. Absolutely. We'd love it. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Tony. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Bob Lorenz, once again, he's uh, not saying the veteran. He's the pre and post game host for Yes Network. And um, again, one of the the true great, not just sportscasters, uh, great journalist, great friend as well. Good, good guy. And uh, glad to have him on the show. Stay with us. We'll pay some bills. More to come after this. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. We're back here, and, and you know, it's interesting, you know, we, we, we're just talking about NBA, Mike. We've had some intriguing players come in the NBA over the years, but I don't think there's any been, been anyone like Victor Wimbayama. We've talked about this before. He's a unicorn, right? Well, he just posted a triple-double where he also, where his third triple, or search double? His third double was the block shots. And he was one of a few, haven't been that many guys do this, and nobody who's 19 years old has done this. I think the next youngest was like 22. Anthony Davis did it when he was 25, things like that. So a pretty impressive stat line from him. You know, I, th I think he is, you know, we saw that in the first game that he played in Las Vegas where he literally blocked a three-point shot when he started off on the block. And I just think with his wingspan, 
he brings something to the game that that NBA players are just going to have to figure out. The athleticism coupled with the length, th- th- there's a whole new calculus in the brain of a shooter of like, I can get the shot off. And and Wimbenyana, I, I think he's got a chance to be something very special as as long as the Spurs don't get caught in that zone that the Minnesota Timberwolves got caught in with Kevin Garnett, where he kept him just good enough that they would make the bottom of the playoffs or just miss, but they could never get that great draft pick. Yeah, I think he's, uh, it's interesting. You know, you have, uh, you know, the Spurs have obviously done a great job of finding, mining the, uh, uh, the, the, international waters for guys like Tony Parker, for guys like Manu Ginobili, and, and then put them together with their, their draft picks, you know, whether it's David Robinson or Tim Duncan and, and been very successful, but they, you know, they also had, they had kind of a, it was kind of a, a fluke when they got, you know, Robinson having to, you know, go to the, you know, be gone and then they get Duncan and then they all come back together, you know? Yes. So it's a, it's kind of a fluke sometimes when that happens and, and it turned out well for the Spurs. So we'll see what they're able to add with him um, this year. They've got a chance. I don't know if there's an impact guy this year in the draft who's going to be that good, but maybe they could package that and get some impact guys. I know there's going to be some free agents that we, you would think would want to want to play with Wimby. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does that down the road. Now, Mike, I got to go here. Uh, you know, and um, and and give you some you know rough news about your Cowboys. Emmett Smith is not happy with Jerry Jones. Yeah, well, get in, line, he, get, get in line, Emmett. Well, I I know he's he's well behind you, Mike. You've been you've been angrier for much longer than Emmett Smith. Yes, well, em, Emmett Emmett has a lot of money in the bank account that can help him not be upset. Um, and and I I certainly don't begrudge him because Jerry Jones was a huge part of, of creating, you know, the Emmett Smith legend, or at least giving him an opportunity to go out and create it. But the fact of the matter is, is that the, that if Jerry Jones would look in the, as an owner would look in the mirror and fire general manager, Jerry Jones, it would be the best thing that ever happened to the Cowboys because the last time they were in the Super Bowl was January of 1996. That was after the 1995 season. And my 28-year-old son wasn't born yet, I believe. I'd have to go look at the dates, but it, it's just, it's it's sad. And then the other thing is, is I was deluged from, from listeners with a meme that apparently they all got, which was it showed Taylor Swift and having won one Super Bowl in one year, and then the Dallas Cowboys having zero since 1995 season. So it was oh. thank thank you very much, everybody. I appreciate that. That's great. Yeah, I, you know, I think that you know the Cowboys. It's interesting when you think about their they they have. I mean, they're America's team. Like, I mean, they're like. They're supposed to be good. I mean, well, it's like they, when they're, they're they're good the at being NFL average. Blue Bud, they're very average. I yeah, they're, that. they're very they're, average. they're good at being average, and you know, and the the sad thing is, is Jerry Jones is is constantly he, he doesn't look at results if his hand is involved in it. If it's if it's somebody else, he looks at the results and fires them and gets rid of them. If it's Jerry Jones. Then, then we have another case, and I and I go back to this week was Chuck Yeager's um, birthday, and of course everybody knows he was the first test pilot to break the sound barrier. 
But his quote that he's famous for is, at the moment of truth, there are either reasons or results. And since Jimmy Johnson left, left the Cowboys, there's a lot of reasons, not many results. No, that's great. That is so, I mean, I, that is profound, Mike. I, I'm really impressed with that coming out of you. Um, and obviously someone else wrote that quote, so yes. that would make, make sense why, why it's so profound, but no, I, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think Cowboys are there. They vastly underachieved. They've got Jerry's world down there with the stadium, you know, football's huge in Texas. It's they got everything going for them except wins. And by the way, did you see now Troy Aikman now, remember when he said, let me know when he gets like as many Super Bowls as he has with Mahomes. Yeah. Well, here They're we tied. are, right? They're tied. And I don't think Troy's getting any more. I think Patrick might. So I, I think might is, time for- yeah, might is probably not the operative word because barring some sort of injury, he's going to win at least one more Super Bowl in his career yeah, and probably sh- many more. It would be shocking if he didn't. So anyway, but at least we've got next year to look forward to in Cowboy land. And we'll be back. Your Raiders too. <laughs> We don't even look forward to next year. That's the difference. We're just like, remember in 1981 when Jim Plunkett took us to a Super Bowl? Jack Squirick. That was awesome. Yep. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Well, finishing up uh, the show here, we certainly want to let everyone know that our thoughts and prayers are with uh, everyone in Kansas City. Um, what was, uh, you know, to be a great celebration turned out, you know, it was tragedy, um, you know, a fatal shooting there. And, um, you know, it's one of those things. It's guys, I know that we all agree. It's 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 just senseless, you know, and it's too bad that um, what was supposed to be just a, a great day, um, you know, we'll, we'll be remembered for other reasons. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, it's a tragedy. I mean, you, you just, it doesn't make sense on such a, you know, fun, supposed to be a fun and joyous day. And it ends up not being that for, you know, the 20 uh, for everyone really. But I mean, especially for the 22 people that were, were shot, it's just, it's sad. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that you can add other than it's just a tragedy there that people are having to now deal with. Yeah, it it really is. Um, you know, meanwhile, well, uh, you know, leading up to that, um, it's too bad because it puts a, a pall on what was a very, um, successful week in vegas uh, the city hosting the super bowl for the first time um a record audience uh, watching on television um and and of course the kansas city chiefs doing what they do and that's just win championships um guys how about the this franchise and the greatness of this you know here is a a franchise that that had gone 50 years since winning a super bowl and um, they draft patrick mahomes and that's he, let's just face it he's the catalyst um andy reed was already there and suddenly now they're the dynasty, you know, I mean, it's, you know, we, we're always looking for the next Jordan, right. Always looking for the next mantle, whatever. And, and I, I think we've already found the next Tom Brady and that's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He's fantastic. You know, the, the knock was, and I don't think anybody ever thought Kenzie, they, they were a favorite coming in. Everybody thought that, but everybody thought they paid Mahomes too much money and you can't build a roster around him because of his big salary. Turns out they did. Okay. You've got a really good guy. 
you can get around that. Yeah, and and I'll tell you the interesting thing that that we got, and I want to give credit to Neil Payne's sub Substack, but basically they since two thousand one, fifty six quarterbacks have led one hundred and twenty five drives in the playoffs where it was the fir- the fourth quarter or OT. There was under a minute to play, and the offensive team was either tied or trailed by seven points. And of those 125 drives, only 40% saw the offensive team either tie the game or take the lead. Tom Brady, though, he was 5 for 11 in those drives at 46%. Drew Brees, 3 for 6 at 50%. Aaron Rodgers was 3 for 4 at 75 Then there's Patrick Mahomes. He was seven for seven in those type of drives, 100%. And I don't know how it was in your living room, but as we watched the game, Christian McCaffrey, by the way, I think he agreed with us because when the 49ers didn't score a touchdown, Mm -hmm. we're like, game over, it's done. And I think this stat proves that Patrick Mahomes, maybe his nickname should be game over. (laughs) <laughs> that's the next state farm commercial i think on the back of his jersey right <laughs> yeah it's right um you know it is um it, it's it's just remarkable and he's only 28 years old and so he has a lot of years in today's football if he stays healthy and you've got the you know the very best in sports medicine in the nfl and, and all these different teams they'll do everything that they can but brad you bring up a great point not only did he sign that massive contract but remember because his average salary is no longer in the top five, right? We have all these guys who've yeah. signed 50 million and plus several guys. Remember, they redid his contract last summer to bump up his annual salary. So they've given him even more money on top of the 48, 49 million he was making before per year. Yeah, because you want him on your side. Yeah. You don't want him on anybody else's sideline. That's for anybody else's at all, right? I mean, this is the best guy in the league right now. And you know, it, yeah. it's just, he's that guy. He's, he is him and he is, he's just, he's a great, uh, he's one of the all-time greats already. And he's still got a lot of time left. Yeah. He's on pace with Tom Brady and and I don't want to call somebody the goat before they've earned it, but certainly he has put himself in a position where it is easy to hypothesize that he is going to give Tom Brady a run for the money. And statistically he's ahead of Tom in Super Bowls at the same time they're tied up. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Can't call him the GOAT yet. It's way too early, but I'm with you. He puts himself in position. By the way, Brad, State Farm just called her upset because on your side is another insurance company's slogan, so they're not happy with you. Um, <laughs> but they'll let it pass this time. Um, we are uh, out of time, unfortunately. We're on your side um, every week right here as we uh, come together, but we've got to run. Uh, we appreciate everyone who stopped by and gave us some great insights. Hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, Have fun this weekend. Be safe. Enjoy the games. And uh, we look forward to seeing you right back here, same station, same time next week. Take care. We'll see you. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports LLC and Revision Sound. We'll be back next week on Big Sports Radio Network.